It's time for Reflections of Grace Outreach Ministries, Thursday weekly discussion with Thomas and Denise. We are the walkers, inspiring souls and removing the mask through the word of God. Subscribe to us on our YouTube channel at Reflections of Grace Outreach Ministries and join our Anchor Podcast channel. And now join us for another enjoyable evening. God bless. bless and thank you all for joining us today. This is Reflections of Grace Outreach Ministries. My name is Elder Thomas Walker. My wife, Minister Denise, she's away on assignment. But we are so delighted that you can join us today for another exciting time in the Word of God. We thank you for taking the time out of your day to listen to us, to expound on uh, different subjects that the Lord has laid on our hearts to kind of talk and discuss outwardly to other people. I'm just so glad that you all are tuning in. And I pray that you all are being encouraged and edified by the words and everything that we say on this site. I also want to thank everyone for your comments. Please feel free to subscribe or like or send an email or reach out to each of us or reach out to us at uh, info at reflectionsofgraceoutreachministries.org. And we are more than happy. Or visit our website at www.reflectionsofgraceoutreachministries.org. Um, we have a tons of information on our website that uh, talks about what we do, what our mission and visions are that God has given us. So with that being said, I want to... Uh, continue to go into the book of Malachi. Last week, we talked about Malachi, the first chapter, and uh, God's uh, disappointment with the children of Israel and his uh, willingness to, to get the children of Israel to repent and to turn back to him by sending a prophet, a prophet named Malachi. And Malachi's Total focus and reason for going to the children of Israel after the exile was to motivate them, meaning he wanted them to understand the error of their ways and to correct them. See, when a prophet comes to you, their main purpose is to edify, to instruct, and to encourage. So Malachi's job at that time were to um, give a word to the children of Israel to let them know that what they're doing and how they are doing it did not please God. So he outlined what God did not um, like that they were doing as far as their offerings, as far as their worship, as far as who they have become after the post-exile period after they had been exiled and they were returned back to their land. So chapter two kind of just goes on back, you know, further into what Malachi and God had was instructing for the children of Israel. Now you have to understand the first Malachi, the first chapter, he, God had given them a lot of instructions about what 
they did not do according to their forefathers and how their structure of the offering was not as commanded by him according to the book of Leviticus. No, so when we looked last week, we talked about how they broke the covenant. And, and the covenant was, if you get a chance to read back on the book of Leviticus, the 22nd chapter, 17th to the 33rd verse, it talks about how their offering were supposed to be presented to God. And what's interesting is, this is what they said, he says, speak to Aaron and his sons and to all the children of Israel and say to them, whatever man of the house of Israel or the strangers in Israel who offers his sacrifice for any of his vows or for any of his free will offerings, which they offer to the Lord as burnt offering, you shall offer of your own free will a male without blemish from the cattle for sheep or goat from goats. Whatever has a defect, you shall not offer, for it shall not be acceptable on your behalf. Now, that's setting the precedence of what God had explained to them, uh, what type of offering to bring. And he goes on and says, those that are blind or broken or maimed or have an ulcer or eczema or scab, you shall not offer to the Lord, nor make an offering by fire of them on the altar to, go, to the Lord. Either the bull or the a lamb that has any limb too long or too short, or many short you may offer as a freewill offering, but for a vow, it shall not be accepted. So see, God has already explained down through the years, down through the, the period of the Israel, the Israelites, um, Israelites being on this earth, how he would accept uh, the sacrifices from them. But yet we go to chapter one, chapter one tells us that um, that the, the way that they had been given offerings, he says, by offering defiled food on my altar, but you ask, how have you, how have I defiled you? And God goes on and tells them on the eighth verse, when you offer blind animals for sacrifice, it is, is it not wrong when you sacrifice lame or diseased animals? Is this not wrong? Try offering them to your governor. Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you, says the Lord Almighty? See, God was already telling them that their, their hearts toward their sacrifice to God was not in alignment. It was not in order. And as if we take a part out of what we're reading from Malachi, the first chapter, and the Levitican um, guidelines for offering, what God is telling us is he sees our heart when we give an offering. So that's what chapter one was talking about. See, the children of Israel hearts were diseased, meaning it, it was, there were blemishes in their heart toward God. First of all, they doubted God um, and 
who he is and if he were really with them because they started to feel some type of way because they were in bondage and they was in captivity. Now they were in exile. Now they finally returned home. And now they have this freedom, but then they have what, what we would consider today as PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, where, you know, all of the things that they had endured, all of the, the calamity and, and things that they had faced in their lives, now that they are out of that struggle, see, the struggle was still real inside of them. And the struggle was still real inside of their hearts to the point where they didn't want to give a, a, a good sacrifice. They forgot all about how they were instructed to give the, the sacrifice. But see, going to the second verse, now to the second chapter, we're talking about the priest now. Now see, God is getting on the priest now about uh, them and what they were supposed to do. And it's, it's interesting to me that God is so, um, it, it, the way that he talks to us is really, 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 you know, concise. What he means is what he means. What he says is what he says. There's no, there's no real deviation from what God is trying to convey to us. And therefore, when we listen to God, God is not, he's not trying to, make us, you know, put us in a trick bag or confuse us or make us feel as if, you know, we don't really know what he's saying. What he says is what he says, and he expects our obedience, and he, he expects us to listen to him with our heart to the point where we do not disobey him, number one, and we don't want to sin against him or, or discourage or disappoint him. See, that's that's what it's all about. The whole word of God is about obeying God, believing that he is God and living a life that pleases him until the day we die. And there's governance. There's things that God desires for us to do. And he's given us a, a guideline. He's given us a template as to how to worship him and how to serve him in a way that he feels, you know, blessed, that he feels, you know, honored that you you are given from your heart. So as we go through these scriptures, see, it's, it's really great to try to put yourself in the place of these people that we're getting ready to talk about, because we have to life apply what the Bible is saying to us. See, the first chapter of Malachi, we have to life apply, you know, our motives, our hearts for whatever sacrifices, whatever worship, whatever um, manner that we're coming before the Lord, because God sees our heart. And that's the first chapter that God is letting us know as men and women of God or believers today. What is your heart bringing to me, God? You can bring me a million dollars. You can bring me a thousand dollars. You can bring me all the money in the world. But if your heart not right towards me, meaning if you're coming to me for arterial motive, if you're coming to me to expect something in return, because we've learned down through the last 20, 30, 40 years that we're supposed to give in expectancy. And that's you. We're supposed to give 
to honor God, give because it's in our heart to show that we love God in our giving. Now, when you're going in and talking about giving in expectancy, what is that? What does that really mean? What does that tell God? Does that tell God you using him? You just want something because he's going to give it to you. So you're going to pay him so he can give you something back in return. No, that's not, that's not it. it. Because if that was the case, if that was the case, Malachi, the first chapter would not have been written because they gave, you know, but God told them, you gave me this halfway. You, It was defiled. The stuff was not clean. It wasn't up to the Leviticus standards that I said, not defiled. So when we're giving our heart and our minds and we're half halfway doing stuff, halfway in our worship or halfway in our service or halfway in our belief system to God, God is not going to honor our prayers. God is not going to hear the worship and the praise that we are trying to give forth. You know, and I remember when when um, I used to go to the, the, when I was young, used to go to Terry service, right? And we all used to, you know, lay out or pray, and you know, we line up across the altar, everybody there, and we would all pray and we would ask God and seek God for the Holy Ghost. And, and you know, some people would get up and they would they would receive the spirit and they would start moving and, and jumping and hollering and screaming. And some would fall out in the floor and they would foam at the mouth and some would uh, speak in unknown languages, you know, and some would just cry. You know, and then there were some that just didn't feel anything. And those people that didn't feel anything, you know, it, it wasn't because the spirit wasn't there. It wasn't because the the ushering in of the Holy Spirit wasn't in the presence of everybody. It was something wrong with in the inside of, of that person. We don't know what it was, but God does. We can't judge him. God knows what it was, you know, and what I remember the pastor doing at that time, when that would happen to one of the people there, they would stand them up and they would pray for them and they would tell them, you know, God loves you. God cares for you. They would encourage them. And they would instruct them to, you know, go home and read your Bible and fast and pray and ask God to fill you with the Holy Spirit. So the next time you come before him, then then if, if it's God's will, then he will infill you. See, that's what God wants us to know today based on Malachi the first, because they went, the, 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 uh, the priest and the uh, fathers and the, the leaders of the Israelites, their heart wasn't right toward God. They already doubted God, number one. And number two, what they thought about serving and worshiping him was a second class because they had already understood and wanted and desired to, to honor and worship the pagan gods that were in the land. So God took like a second, a seat behind what they really desired. Now here in chapter two, we're talking about the priest. We're talking about the men and women that 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 the well the the men of that day that were uh, supposed to be the the, the the priests, the elders of the temple, and they were supposed to make sure everything was straight for the the children of Israel, but they did not do it. 
So this is what God had to say to them. Now, you have to understand God is talking to the, the first, the children of Israel. Then more importantly, he's talking to the priests in Malachi. So when we understand that concept, that God was he was displeased more importantly with the priest. Now, chapter two, chapter three, and chapter four, uh, it'll start coming into focus more than the individual person to, to relate it to the context of it being the priest. See, it, the Bible in Malachi and, and this prophecy and this prophetic word didn't break off and say, okay, you people, okay, now you priest. Now I'm going back to you people, and then I'm going back over here to this over there. It was all in one alignment, meaning it, 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 all of it was joined together. So it meant the priests and the men and women of Israel. So the second chapter says, and now, oh priest, this commandment is for you. Now, understand me this. He's not talking about nobody else. He's saying, now, oh priest, he's right there on the leadership, the elders, the, 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 the leaders of the temple. He says, this commandment is for you. He said, if you will not hear, and if you will not take it to heart to give glory to my name, says the Lord of hosts, I will send a curse upon you and I will curse your blessings. Yes, I have cursed them already because you do not take it to heart. Now, God is already telling them, you all have not honored and have not kept the covenant of the Levites in my name to honor me with the, the offerings that the people were supposed to present to me. So he's angry. God is angry with them because he had made a covenant way back when with with the with Levi and the Levites, so this goes all the way back to the beginning, where he says, "If if you make sure that your uh, my blessings or my worship or my sacrifices are good, then you would have a life of peace." And it goes on to say, "Behold, I will rebuke your descendants and spread refuse on your faces, the refuse of your solemn feast." And one will take you away with it. Then you shall know that I have sent this commandment to you, that my covenant with Levi may continue, says the Lord of hosts. My commandment was with him, one of life and peace, and I give them to him that he may fear me. So he feared me and was reverent before my name. See, that's what God was explaining to the priests. He said, now, they feared God. They didn't want to send a blemish offering. They did not want to anger God or displease God with the offering. But these priests, these priests had another thought in mind. They was like, well, you know, I see Baal over here. I see Astra over there. I see Marduk over there. I think I'm going to serve them because they, the people are so excited about serving these pagan gods that we're going to go over there and do that too. So the priests started turning away from God. The Israelites turned away from God and started serving and worshiping pagan gods. And this angered God because he saw in their worship that 
they no longer reverenced him. But the older people did. Now, if you turn with me to Numbers, the third chapter, Numbers, the third chapter, and the 12th verse. Now, wait till you get your Bibles. Third chapter, 12th verse. Now, in this verse, it talks about who God had identified as the priest. So a priest, and that day, God says, on starting on the 11th verse, he said, the Lord also said to Moses, I have taken the Levites from among the Israelites in place of the first male offspring of every Israelite woman. The Levites are mine for all the firstborn are mine. So what God did, he, the tribe of Levi, he took each, all of the firstborn of them and ordained them into becoming the priests. So you can see the, the, the tribe, the 12 tribes of Israel and the Levites, the Levites were included to become the priests for that nation. So they all stayed together and they all went through trials and tribulations together. But God was saying he set them apart. And plus, we just read the book of Leviticus and those scriptures where he outlined to the Levitican priests, the, the Levites, what type of offering that they needed. Again, I'm saying these things because I'm, I want the spirit of who we are to understand that when we come before God, God is not a, a malevolent God. God is not a God that, that desires to kill anybody that disobeys him. No, he's a God of justice. He's a God of order. And he's a God of, of, of obedience. And it's nothing wrong with being a God of obedience and reverence because he's saying, this is who I am. This is the standards that I have for each and every one of us to live by. Therefore, in order to please me, these are the things that you should do. This is the heart that you should present to me. So the children of Israel did not do that. And the priest didn't do that. He didn't uphold it. So God was angry with him. And it goes on to the sixth verse to say the law of truth was in his mouth and injustice was not found on his lips. He walked with me in peace and equity and turned many away from iniquity. So see, the Levitican priests of that day, you know, when God, when they honored God, anything that the people would bring to them, 
that they knew would defile the, the worship or defile the offering and sacrifice of God. He made sure that it wasn't presented. He made sure he corrected them. And, and that's what we should be doing today as men and women and leaders of, of our faith. We should be making sure in love that we're making sure the people that come to God are in order. The people that need a blessing and need God are in order, meaning that we should be teaching. We should be learning, uh, teaching and, and instructing each person that loved the Lord how to present their bodies as a living sacrifice, how to understand that what we say and what we think in our minds and in our hearts, God sees and knows already. That's why the Bible tells us that we need to ask God to create in us a clean heart and renew the right spirit within us. So we can, we can want something all day long. We can need something all day long. But if it's not God's will and he's not pleased with your life or the sacrifice that you have presented to him, then your offering is not going to be accepted. Your, your, your worship is not going to be accepted. Now, it's another case point. Turn with me if you got a chance to Genesis. Now, this is very, very uh, right there, smack dab in your face, how God felt about an offering. This is a story of Cain and Abel. Now, everybody knows that they, they were able to give us an offering to God. Now, this is what the Bible says. Um, now, Abel kept flocks. It's Genesis, the fourth chapter, starts at the second verse. And I'm going to read to the... Second to the um, seventh verse. Okay. So if you got your Bible... Here it goes. Later, she gave birth to his brother, Abel. Now, Abel kept flocks and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions, from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked at with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. When the Lord said, Cain, why are you angry? Why are your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouched at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Now, that's the first example of God's acceptance of an offering from his creation. Now, Cain, he was a worker of the field, and I'm assuming he 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 wanted to do well. And but you see, in in Cain's heart, God probably saw that something in his heart wasn't right. Because later on, in the, if you read, you know, Cain was jealous and mad and so angry that he killed his brother Abel. 
So God already knew in his heart. He said, if you don't get a hold of it, sin is going to lie at your door. That means if you don't reconsider what you're thinking, See, God knew what was going to happen already before it was going to happen. That's why when we present our offering to God, when we're getting up in the morning, going to church, when we're getting up in the morning, uh, going to Bible class, Sunday school, or, or whatever it is that we intend to do for the Lord, we have to check our hearts before we do it. And the reason why we have to do that is because God sees our heart. If you're getting up on a Sunday morning and you don't want to go to church, then it's best not to go because you're not going to get the full reverence and the full worship that God is looking for. You're not going to give that to God because your heart it won't be in it. I know a lot of days when I was coming up that I would go to church just because I didn't want the pastor to get mad at me or I didn't want to go to, I didn't want to not go to church because my mom and them said for me to go and I just went. I was mad begrudgingly. I went anyway, sat there with an attitude, you know, I didn't want to go there. I wanted to just look at the football game or something. You know, but the guy saw that in my heart. And it showed on my face, just like he's telling us in Malachi, the second chapter, how the appearance of the real true Levites that really offered him, it, it showed in their worship, it showed in their, their mannerism, it showed in their, their joyfulness. You know, the New Testament tells us blessed are the, the, the cheerful giver. So understanding those things. Now we're, we're getting into... Um, everything that 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 the Levites and it, it were, did not do at that time, and Malachi had to correct them and let them know, hey, you're not living up to the standards, and that's what God wants. God wants us to to hold ourselves at a higher standard of offering and worship to Him. We should not come to God in a halfway sort of circumstance or thinking that we can just uh, give God anything. God wants our whole heart. He wants our whole mind, body, strength, and soul. When we give that to him, God honors that sacrifice to the point where when you are praying and when something is going wrong and the devil is attacking you in your life, God will see your heart when you say, Lord, help me. Lord, reach out and touch. Lord, keep this thing together. Or if you're praying for a loved one, or if you're you're seeking God for, for comfort and peace, he'll see your heart and he'll see how you are worshiping him and spirit and in truth. And in that worship time, in that worship hour, he will open up those windows of heaven and pour out blessings that you have no room to receive. So I'm going to stop right there if anyone has anything that they want to comment at this time. Amen. So we're going to continue forth. Now, we're talking about the worship and we're talking about the, the mindset, the spirit of who they are, who are worshiping and praising God. We're talking about the spirit of these people. Now, that's one thing about a spirit. A spirit doesn't die. So we, we just got to be cognizant and aware that spirits can transfer. 
So if these people were so busy worshiping other gods and, and they were so busy wanting Baal and Ashtara and Marduk and all those other pagan gods to, to worship them because of the inflection and the zeal that the pagans had, well, you know, Sometimes it, it, that spirit could jump on us if you're thinking about it. Think about it. If you're going to church on on Sundays and, and everything, and this service is kind of nonchalant and, you know, it's, it's, it's okay. You know, you didn't want to be there, you know, but then when you get out of service, you, you got this friend, right? This friend said, oh, man, we did this, that, and the other. Oh, it was great. Oh, you missed it, man. Oh, it was wonderful. Now, see, now your heart is starting to say, well, you know, maybe I'll go next Sunday. Maybe I'll I hang out with y'all next Sunday, you know. You know, so I, I want to get into that, you know, have that fun, you know. And then you start slowly and meticulously driving yourself away or pulling away from God or the real worship. First, you have to know why you went and why you came to church. Are you coming looking for something? Are you coming to receive something? Are you something? Are you going to give something or are you coming to take something? So. When we go into church, when we go into the, the, the worship center, when we go into our, our edifices or, uh, you know, our places of worship, we should be at a place where we're, we're slowly and surely praising God for that day, thanking God for that worship. That's what the Bible says. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Now, some people might believe that, okay, remember the Sabbath day, keep it holy, is that you're supposed to go to church and stay to church all day. And that's your holiness moment. But what God is saying, the Sabbath day should be in our hearts where, where we are reverencing God in everything that we think and do, if possible. Meaning that if we're, if we're at home, we should be focused on giving God thanks, thanking him for that day, thanking him for the food and, and the provisions that he has made for us. If we are in church and service, our mind and our heart should be focused on giving praise and glory to God in that worship service. Our, our hearts and our minds and our bodies should be committed to wanting more and more of his spirit to indwell within us. Now, those are the acts of the Sabbath. Those are the acts of, of going to church to worship God in, in, and not be defiled. We are undefiled when we are giving our hearts and minds to him whenever we are offering ourselves to him. So we have to understand and know that just because you're giving 30, 60, and 100 fold in the offering or the tithe plate. Look at your heart. Are you giving that to be a blessing to the ministry or a blessing to someone that the ministry is able to bless through outreach? Are your, is your heart pure enough or on that level to where your, your offering is coming from the heart of love, coming from love? Now, just... Like my wife and I, we, we've done uh, um, outreach where we put bags together 
um, for the church and we've put food items, we put toiletry items, we, we've put money, uh, gift cards and everything. We've put those together to just drive around and give to the homeless. You know how you see the panhandlers, they're walking around with the sign and everything. See, when we were putting all of that together, we had a desire and a love in our heart to want to bless those that were were standing on those corners, those that were homeless. We didn't care if what they did with it. We just knew that in our heart, we wanted to be a blessing to them and bless them so that they can, you know, feel some sort of joy and peace in that life or in that day. So when when we give and when everyone gives on that level, see, you just let it go and God uh, uh, do what he's, he's going to determine it to do. But for us, it was all about giving from our heart. And when we gave a bag away or, or gave money away or prayed for those, uh, for, for the people that we came in contact with, you know, we did that sincerely from our heart because we didn't want to leave that presence of those people and not believe and feel that God used us in that moment. You see? So that's what God wants us to do when we are always uh, coming to before him and worship and praise. We don't want to leave God's presence and not feel that God touched us in a way where we left all that we could worship him in or with on that worship place, at that worship time. When you're worshiping God, you should get to a place where you're tired after it's over with. Now, and I, I'm not mean buck jumping and I'm not mean running into the walls and I'm not mean and shouting like, you know, the Blues Brothers. I'm talking about deep down in your spirit, deep down in your heart that you've given all that you could give in your heart and in your mind until you feel drained because you've given it all out. You've, you've expounded everything that you had to give for God in your mind and heart and body. So when we look at it, when we look at worship that way, we, we look at giving a sacrifice of ourselves to God in that manner, see the truthfulness, the purity, the, the unblemishedness of what we're saying and doing, you know, God can connect to our heart in that manner. So it's not a set way that you're supposed to do it. It's not a set um, category or ordinance or sort of words that you need to say to, to be connected to God because God already sees your heart. If all you say is, God, I love you, and you really mean that, God would receive that. So moving forward down through the rest of the search, we're going to the 10th verse, and, and the 10th verse, we're starting to talk about the treachery of infidelity, the, the treachery of infidelity. Now, I know a lot of people say, well, infidelity is uh, somebody cheating on somebody and you're married to them and, 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 and things like that. And that, that's true. But in this instance, in this context, God is talking about how the children of Israel was being... Uh, creating infidelity within their worship and service and praise and in the covenant that they made to one another. Here, it talks about, have we not all one father? I'm reading from the 11th, from the 10th verse. So I want you to kind of understand what's going on with, with this part because it's, uh, it's really poignant 
to, to everything else because the children of Israel had gotten to the place where they, they became overzealous with a lot of things. And I'm going to read this so that you can kind of get an idea. We're starting at Malachi 2nd chapter, and we're going to read from the 10th to the 17th. Um, and where it says, have we not all one father? Has not one God created us? Why do we treacherously with one another by profaning the covenant of the fathers? Judah, Judah was dealt treacherously and an abomination has been committed in Israel and in Jerusalem. For Judah has profaned the Lord's holy institution, which he loves. He has married a daughter of a foreign god. May the Lord cut off from the tents of Jacob, the man who does this, being awake and aware, yet who brings an offering to the Lord of hosts. And this is the second thing to do. You cover the altar of the Lord with tears, with weeping and crying, so he does not regard the offering anymore, nor receive it with goodwill from your hands. Yet you say, for what reason? Because the Lord has been witness between you and the wife of your youth, with whom you have dealt treacherously. Yet she is your companion and your wife by covenant. But did he not make them one, having a remnant of the spirit? And why one? He seeks godly offspring. Therefore, take heed to your spirit and let none deal treacherously with the wife of your youth. For the Lord God of Israel says that he hates divorce, for it covers one garment with violence, says the Lord of hosts. Therefore, take heed to your spirit that you do not deal treacherously. Have you wearied the Lord with your words? Yet I say, in what way have we wearied him? Now, that's the end of chapter two. Now, what this is talking about, infidelity for the children of Israel were something that the that God was not pleased with. Now, we're going to get to the reason why was because, see, back when the children of Israel were before exile, before bondage, they were told to not intermarry with other nations, other countries, other uh, uh religions. So what they were doing was practicing what's called endogamy. Endogamy is one who marries a foreign person um, and a foreign god. Now, this is what they started doing um, down through the, the, the centuries was started to intermarry um, other other relations, uh, other religions, other practices, and God did not like that, and that's where um, the thought of being dealt treacherously, because in the heart of the men, see, they saw these beautiful pagan women on the side, and they were like, "Wow, you know, they they beautiful, ooh, 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 you know," and see, the pagan women at that time, they knew how to wear the makeup. 
and they knew how to wear the eyelashes and they knew they had all those things already in place. See, the, the devil had already showed them how to wear those that that stuff to present themselves, you know, in, in, a, in a way that would be alluring to men. And they wore the clothing that were revealing to men as well back then on those days. So the Bible says there's nothing new under the sun. So I, I can see where those same things are happening nowadays. And, and the infidelity and all of those things are still happening today for those reasons. Now, but for God in this state, he says they were had dealt uh, treacherously and they were doing abominations, meaning they were intermarrying people uh, that were aren't, weren't children of Israel, that weren't Israelites. So God expected them to maintain the sanctity and the purity of the, the Israel race by staying together. But it, it wasn't so much of them staying together physically. They're talking about their worship. See, when, when the children of Israel, when a man would marry a woman back then, what would happen um, just like in Solomon's time, or, or Solomon did, what he did, he started incorporating the pagan worship into there, into his worship as well. So not only was he trying to worship God, he was trying to worship those other uh, deities and, and pagan gods as well. And, and that's 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 adultery in God's eyesight. That's infidelity in God's eyesight. And that's what God said. God says he hates divorce. Now, what he hated about the divorce that the men and women back then were doing was because they saw lustfully and they saw in their worship of the pagan gods how the people were were feeling or, or, or acting and they decided to cut ties with their 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 original uh, marriages cut ties and and divorce the women that they were married to or the men that they were married to uh, um um the men that who was married to the woman you you know what i'm saying and they decided to, to divorce them to marry the pagans and their worship and how they did their lives. And that's what God says he hate divorce because all that the man had to do back then or the woman had to do back then is say, I hate, I hate her or I hate him. And he could divorce right then and there. And, you know, that's why you're not supposed to use that word hate so strongly because hate does has a connotation to it. And when we say we hate something, that means you're ready to get rid of it or you're done with it 100%. So you have to watch saying the word hate, especially God. God hears the word hurt, hate. He's like, what? I'm getting ready to deal with the infidelity. <laughs> you know, so we have to be, we be aware of what we're saying. But for them at that time, that's what they were doing. See, they were divorcing the, the, the wives of their youth, meaning the, the ones that God had put together as far as uh, Israelite and Israelite, marrying in that way so that they can be brought up in the same worship, be brought up in the same honor and reverence to the God Almighty. Now, then you have the, the guys that said, I hate you and I'm going to divorce you and I'm going to go over here and get the Astra lady that loved the, the worship, sacrifice babies and everything. And now, 
he's at a conflict now because now he has set set aside everything that he learned in his youth as far as his worship, as far as his praise, as far as his uh, religion, or, or as far as his standards. And he goes over here to this pagan place and his pagan people. And you know, all manner of little immoral things they're doing over there and, and stuff. And they worship and they probably eating snakes and all that stuff. And, you know, he this is new to him. This is exciting for him. So he, he you know, he's He's going on about his business with that, and and but his youth, his his upbringing, his worship, his praise to the one true God is far from him, and that's what God says. He he hates divorce because it covers one garment with violence, meaning that you know they cut it off, and it, it was a, a bad situation for that woman or for that man to be left by themselves, you know, and they went on to these other people and just forgot about back then. And that's what the divorce was so hateful to God for, that he hated because um, they were dealt treacherously. See, they didn't do anything wrong to them, to their spouses. They didn't do anything wrong. They were doing what they were supposed to do. They was worshiping God. They were cooking and cleaning. They were tilling the field. They were buying this and doing this for, all in the way. Then all of a sudden, you know, they get that devil in them. <laughs> and that's what I would like to say. They, they get a, a different spirit in them. They see the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, and the lust of the flesh. They see those things coming out of them. And now they're over there dealing with Sally in the alley and Joe Snuffy. And see, those are the things that God hates because when you're divorcing someone or you're cutting ties with somebody for a lustful reason or a sinful reason or a selfish reason, God hates divorce in that manner. God hates divorce in that manner because your heart right then and there is creating violence. That means the, the person that you're divorcing is hurt. They're bitter. They're angry because they don't know why. They don't know why. They don't understand why. But you understand why because your selfish reasons, your lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. You had to go over there and you had to do those things. And see, these are the things that God did, you know, he wants us as men and women today to understand when we're making a decision about anything and everything, we should always consult God. We should always look to God for the answer. But if if our hearts aren't 100 percent drawn toward him and we're not 100 percent seeking him and his guidance, then how are we going to hear the right answer? Because the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And he will, he will intercept what you're saying, given the chance and the opportunity to. You might be saying, Lord, please help me. I need some help. But see, down deep in your mind, you're still thinking, you know, treacherously. Then the devil comes in because that's that window where the devil could come in and say, well, you don't really have to do it that way. You could do it this way or let's try this. And you know that it doesn't sound like it come from God, but you're going to try it anyway. That's the devil that had intercepted your prayer and your worship because your heart and your mind isn't clear and totally connected to God in a way that God would hear that and intercept the devil from even coming into any type of realm of trying to, to, to destroy what you're trying to put forth as an offering and sacrifice of praise for him. 
That's what God is trying to say to us. So it's our heartstrings. It's what we desire and what we need and what we want as our worship to God to be truthful. It's, it shouldn't be partial. It shouldn't be a partiality in what we say or do to God because God loves us. He loves us enough to where every day we wake up in the morning, we have an opportunity to worship God and really truly thank him for this day. No matter how messed up that day might be, it could be worse because we could be six feet underground. But God said not so, that he's going to give us one more day, one more opportunity to love on him. Now, that might sound a little selfish, and that might sound like, well, God, you know, he, look, he, he got a little ego trip or whatever the case is. He wants somebody to serve and worship him all the time. What's wrong with that? You know, I, no, that's not what it's all about. See, God loves us, and we were created to worship God. We might not understand that now, but when you think about it, when you think about all the things that God is doing for you right now in this moment, the way you breathe, the way your hands move, the way your eyes see, the way your ears hear, the way you talk, the way your feelings and your actions of love, all of that comes from above. All of that comes from God. It's a, you know, a, a intelligent design. That's what they call it in scientific world, you know, but I like to call it, it's the move of God that's, that blew his breath in our bodies to make us a living soul. And when we understand that, that nothing that we can do uh, on this earth to, to pay the price or pay the, 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 the amount that it took for God to, to, to create us, then we should say, Lord, I know I'm not worthy. I know I'm not worthy of, of, of anything that you are doing for me, but I thank you for the bottom of my heart for life. Thank God for life, people, because it's so precious. It's so precious to be able to wake up in the morning and know that you have the activities of your limbs, your health and strength, your kids and your family members are still on this earth and no one has went on to be with the Lord. That is a blessing. That is a time that we should all give reverence and thanks to God. The children of Israel, they were delivered from bondage. They were delivered from captivity and they were delivered from exile and they returned to their homeland. But their hearts and their minds were far from God that delivered them. And that's what God was angry about. He wasn't angry about the clothes that they wore or all those other material things. He was, he was angry at their hearts. And he wanted their hearts and their love to return to him. Because he said if, in his word to the children of Israel, return to me and I will return to you. God is asking each and every one of us today to return to him, no matter what it might seem like that's going all bad in your life or, or all hell is breaking out everywhere you look around, God is still with you. You might not feel it. You might not see it. And you might not even be able to understand the magnitude of who God is. But at the same time, think on this thing. Think on the, the fact that, that he is with you because you're still breathing. You're still able to recognize God and understand who God is 
All God wants you to do is open your mind and your heart. Realistically, I mean, don't, don't half do it. 99 and a half won't do it. I mean, really, truly open your heart to God and say, God, I love you. I love you, God, for all that you've done for me. I love you, God, for the things that you have done. I, I worship and praise your name because you just are God. And just being grateful for those things, that makes all the difference in the world to God. You can give a million dollars and your heart ain't right. God ain't on the separate. Just like Cain gave his offering. He tilled the, he tilled the floor and tilled the land and gave God what he had, but his heart wasn't right. See, and, and it wasn't about Abel and his fat, fat portions. It was because Abel had a heart to do the right thing and give the right portions to God. See, we can't half step our worship and our praise when we're always looking and always seeking something with our hand out. Stop putting your hand out asking God for things when you know you're not worshiping and praising him the way that he deserves to be praised in your life. Look at all the things and the material things and and the, the strength that you have and, and the, the gift things that God has given you and the talent that he has instilled in, inside of you. Isn't that worthy to say, thank you, God. Thank you, God. I'm so thankful that, that I am who I am. And you made me this way to be a blessing for someone else. And that's what God desires and wants from each of us, to not deal treacherously with everything or anything, but to give him all worship and praise that he respectfully deserves. So, that concludes tonight, and, and I just want everyone to, to understand and realize tonight that no matter what you're thinking about or, or going through in life tonight, it's not worth giving up your soul for God. It's not worth, you know, you losing your soul and going dying and, and being lost. We need to come back to what they used to say, the old landmark. Come back to our first love. See, God loved us first. God loved us unconditionally. He loved us enough to where he created us to worship him. So when we think on those terms, all this other stuff should be second nature or second, third or fourth or fifth priority. But our first and only priority should be to God, to worship him, to please him to be obedient to who he has called us to be and who we are destined and purpose to be on this earth. And I encourage you all, seek God, pray, pray with your whole heart. Let go of all of the, this, this, the cares of this earth. Let go of all of the worries of this world that might come and seep into your heart and mind. And just pray. Ask God. Talk to God on a regular basis. Talk to him as if you're talking to someone right next to you, you know, and, and, and really get a heartfelt relationship connection with him on a level where you feel comfortable to call on him and talk to him at any time of the day because you know you're coming to him truthfully and in your heart, deep down in your heart, you're coming to him like a child would to their, their parent, like a child would to their daddy. You're coming to him like, I need you. I love you unconditionally. I just want you to hold on me and keep me and 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 guide me and correct me and 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 take me in your arms and 
you know, and take care of me. When we do that with God, all the cares of these worlds and the anger and all the frustration and pain and sorrow, that wouldn't even bother you. And I encourage you all. And that's what God wanted for the children of Israel and those priests back then at that day, to return to him in that order. Turn your hearts. Stop dealing treacherously. Stop doing damnable and detestable things. Stop worshiping other gods and return to me with your whole heart. And that ends tonight's discussion. And I pray that you all have received something out of it. And don't forget to subscribe to us or like us or share um, this discussion. There's plenty more. Our next discussion uh, for next week is going to be the third chapter of Malachi. Um, God has led me to keep going with, with the Malachi. And the third is the coming messenger, chapter three of Malachi. So be on the lookout. And if you can read ahead, go ahead, read ahead. So we can really uh, kind of get into it. And you can follow along and everything. So I thank you all. And I'm going to say close with a word of prayer. But before I close, if there's anyone that has anything to say before we close. Amen. I, I think. Somebody might be on mute. Hey Amen. Keisha, we can't, we won't, we're not able to hear you. Hello. Okay, I can hey. hear you now. Yes, I can hear you now. <laughs> now I'm just um just so thankful to be here and just love to um join in with you guys and um hear God's good word and like you said nothing's too big uh for God so just let go and let God solve your problems no matter what we may be going through you know good days happy glad sad but at the end of the day you know long as we know God is still there and we are being his faithful servants nothing too big for him so I just appreciate um you guys having me and giving us this encouraging lesson. And I look forward to joining with you guys many more, um, many more weeks to come. Well, as long as they keep rolling, but you get what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, I, I get what you're saying. Keisha. Amen. 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 I'm so glad all y'all joined us tonight. And I just want to encourage you all to continue to move forward. Whatever, situation or anything that's going on, always pray with a sincere heart to God and God will hear your prayers. You know, he might not answer them when you want him to answer them, but he'll be on time with whatever you're asking for. If you're giving your heart and your mind and your spirit to him wholeheartedly in everything that you do, that you put God first, God will hear your prayers because he knows you're making him number one. They, you shall have no other God before me. That's what God says. So he wants to be first. He desires to be number one in your life. And he desires a relationship with each and every one of you. So call out to him. Cry out to him. 
read your Bibles, um, get into a relationship with him by praying daily and asking God to reveal himself in your lives. It's just that simple because you'll start seeing so many evidences of how God is working things out in your life until you, you, your eyes will start opening up, be like, wow, I, that, I couldn't have did that. God must have did that. Oh, wow, look at this. God sure blessed me with this. Oh, wow, look at this. And he'll start revealing himself through the things that, that are coming forth in your life. So I encourage you all, Keisha and your whole family, to stay encouraged, stay blessed. God loves you all, and God loves you for the sacrifice and the willingness to want to learn and know more about who he is on this earth and who he is to you. So thank you all, and God bless you all for everything. So I'm going to close with a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for another day. We thank you, Heavenly Father, that you have been so good to us, that you have strengthened us when we have been weak, that you have healed us when we have been sick. And Lord, that you have protected and shielded us as we went about our day. We know the devil came to steal and to, to kill and to destroy something or something or someone in our lives. But Father, we thank you that you have blocked that, that you have protected us, that you have shielded us from the all hurt, harm, and danger. Now, Lord, as we end this call, those that, that are on the call, those that are here and will hear my voice, we ask you, Lord, to strengthen them, to reveal yourself in their lives so that they will come to know you as God the creator. Lord, we know that no weapon formed against us shall prosper. And Lord, we bind the enemy that may come against us during our work life, during our, our home life, during our, our job life, during our school life. We pray against all manner of evil that come against us. Send your angels to protect us and send your Holy Spirit to lead and guide us into all truth. Lord, we ask you to clean our, our hearts, creating us a, a clean heart and renew the right spirit within us. Lord, we thank you and we bless your name. These and all the blessings we ask in your name, Jesus. Amen. 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 So God bless you all and thank you for joining with us tonight. Again, I say we love you and we, we thank God for every moment of the day that we spend with you. So you all have a good night and don't forget to subscribe or leave a comment or, or just share. We would love to hear more of what you all might think or say or, or, or any comment. We love you and God bless you and good night. Good night. Good night.